Hello everyone and welcome to this special episode of The Longest Night. On this special episode, we will be chatting to Martin, otherwise known as Game of Thrones Traveller. Martin has been travelling and journeying to various Game of Thrones filming locations over the years, so we decided to invite him onto the show so we could talk with us about his favourite places and where he plans to go next. Uh, there are, of course, spoilers for all eight seasons of Game of Thrones in this episode, so if you are not caught up, then please don't go any further. Un unless you want the ending ruined for yourself, of, of course, you know, be my guest. Uh, we will leave links to Martin's social media pages in the description. Please enjoy. So, Martin, thank you very much for joining us. Um, we've had so many guests on the show. I think you're our eighth guest now. Um, and after chatting to people who were fans of the show, moving into people who were on the show, like Miltos Yerolemu and Eric Anthony Nolan, and then talking to Gretchen Falker-Martin, who's a writer, I thought I'd come back to prominent members of the, the fan community and talk to you because my history with your account is that I'm, I remember discovering it a few years ago and I thought, oh, very jealous of this guy. So thank you very much for coming on. No worries, Robert. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a real kind of passion for the show and things. And yeah, it's really, it's really good to be on and chat with, with a fellow person who loves the show and who has a similar, I think, similar viewpoints on the show as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for those for the people who don't know, um, could you tell us a little bit about why I, why I've brought you onto a Game of Thrones podcast? What's your what's your role in the Game of Thrones fandom world? Sure. So, um, well, I kind of go under the pseudonym on on Twitter of uh, Game of Thrones Traveller. Yeah, I've, I've been around traveling um, to a lot of places with the show. I tend to like to go to the uh, Spain, Croatia, that sort of thing. Um, uh, so started in Northern Ireland and then started going a bit further afield, Croatia, Spain, etc. Uh, and yeah, so I, I kind of my account is pretty much sharing my uh, my experiences, uh, the locations, how they compare to to the on screen locations, little tidbits that people might not see, strange local encounters, that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, it's a little bit. I think for me, it's I, I very much I get a lot of good feedback from it, but also for me, it's it's something I enjoy doing. It's a it's a cathartic experience. I, I enjoy it. So, yeah, it, it's been it, it's been a lot. It's been a lot of fun to to do. And yeah, as I say, I think a lot of people will. I've got about three thousand followers at the moment. So, as I say, I've never really had any negative feedback. I've never had anyone kind of send me anything that to say, "Oh, you do this," or "You're, you're showing off," or whatever it it is. But no, I just. I just try to make it as a positive an account as, as possible. Essentially, I'm not I'm not one for toxic fandom. If I don't like something, I'll generally leave it at the at the door where possible. Um, and, and yeah, that that that's pretty much pretty much me in the account. Oh, that sounds yeah. And, and to be honest, that sounds exactly like the way that your account comes across, where you are just there to celebrate the amazing locations and the amazing location scouting that HBO undertook to make sure that Game of Thrones looked the way that it did. Um, and it's amazing. Your account is such a good resource where even when you go to places like um, uh, where Dragonstone was filmed and the castle isn't there, but the island itself just looks super looks so super, even in its real-life location. And so before you started the account, obviously you had to get into Game of Thrones in the first place. So where and when did you 
discover it? How, how did you come across it? Um, well, I was, a, I was essentially a, I was a casual sci-fi and fantasy fan. I enjoyed, I enjoyed things like Battlestar, Stargate, that sort of thing. But I never really found anything that was, I don't know, that I was really passionate about. I used to go to Comic-Con and meet guests and that sort of thing. But I never really found anything that I was like, yeah, this is really kind of something that I, I could really invest in regularly. And yeah, I, so I got into Game of Thrones on the first season. I think I, I saw an ad for it. It looked, it looked, pretty, it looked pretty good. I, I checked out first episode and then, yeah, I watched that season. I really kind of, the show had a real heart and soul that I think a lot of fantasy shows perhaps don't, don't have. Um, always into like the dragons and magic and things. But that first season, uh, Mark Addy, Harry Lloyd, people like, I mean, Sean Bean, the, the quality of the acting kind of drew me in and kept me in probably. And then at the end of season one, uh, yeah, that was when uh, Dance came out. And so I basically just read all the books in one, in one oh, go, wow. basically over the course of like a month. And, and that was pretty much, that was pretty much it for me. So that was kind of how I got into the, into the show. It was just very much, I almost, I immersed myself after watching season one. I was just like, I need to know what's going to happen to all these guys. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait a year. So I'd never really, I'd read Lord of the Rings and things, but I'd never really, I'd never sat down with books for a long period of, of time kind of thing. And it was kind of a, yeah, it was a, it was just something that just happened for organically, really. I just felt like I want to watch this and I remember and read this. And I, I remember reading the, those books, especially a few noticeable things that happened in the second and, th- and third books. And I, was, I was just, I literally got certain deaths and that sort of thing. And you, I just could not believe certain deaths and, and certain things that happened. And I, I'd never had that with a media experience where I was literally had to go back and reread the chapter to make sure that I, that I understood what was, what was going on. Uh, the Red Wedding, for example. Um, I mean, I, I didn't, I knew nothing about going forward. I wasn't on any of the forums. I wasn't, didn't know anything about it. Um, I, I purposely tried to avoid that, I think, at the time. And then, yeah, so I read all of those. And then I started kind of getting into the online side of things and the fandom and that sort of thing. And it just went... It just kind of spiraled from there, really. Oh, that's, I mean, to be honest, you are the first guest I think we've had on the show, other than Mil Toshiro of course, who um, was in it from the start. Um, the first guest we've had who sort of discovered it sort of by themselves at the beginning because of an advert in early 2011, so over 10 years ago now. So it's taken up a, a lot of your life. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to think back to where we were in 2011 and thinking like, because I, I was unaware of Game of Thrones until I hadn't watched, I didn't watch an episode until 2015. And so I think about all the things I was doing in 2011, like uh, I was halfway through uh, sixth form college in the UK. So I was 17 years old and I was, you know, g- moving out of a first relationship and I was potentially going to be moving house and things like that. And then just quietly in the background, completely unbeknownst to me, this fantasy TV show that would alter my life in really significant ways was just starting out. And you in another part of the UK, you were sitting down to, you were sitting down to watch it and to really, uh, and again, embark on a, a massive journey of your own that's taken you on some literal journeys around the planet. Um, it's funny how it all comes together. Like coincidence just comes together in such a lovely and serendipitous way where we're able to, 
in the end, after it's all over, two years after it's finished, we're able to sit and we're able to talk and we're able to relate over just a, a, some books that George R. R. Martin decided to write and a TV show that was created by HBO. <laughs> I, think, I think 10 years ago, if someone had told me that I would be this into any, anything, then I, I don't think I would have potentially be- believed them, really. As I say, the, the kind of the, the spiralling with it was very much... Um, yeah, it was something that kind of caught me by by surprise. Like my wife was kind of like, "Oh, you're you're kind of uh, you're 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 kind of uh, you'll move on to something, you'll you move on to something else, kind of thing." And it was like, "I'm not sure that I'm not sure that I will," kind of thing. So yeah, but no, it, it is it is crazy to see how when you when you think about the, the very humble beginnings of the show and how it's connected people. And I mean, I'm so I'm not really into other fandoms, but the people I've met through this fandom. Yeah, I might touch upon it later, but some of the people I've met in this fandom have just been, it, it's an overwhelmingly positive experience. And, and same with the cast. Um, I think I've probably met about 100 cast members now. And uh, with the exception of one or two, nothing bad to, nothing bad to say. I mean, it, it pretty much, it almost, I tried to keep myself, as I say, within that microcosm, but of like, positivity within the fandom but I feel like the actual show itself and things is very much I felt like there was a community spirit and the people I've spoken to the actors and things I feel like was that community spirit very much from the from the start and yeah I would always prefer that that community as opposed to arguing over boat voyages or or, or whatever it or, or whatever it is or who's under a who's under a mask or whatever so <laughs> As I say, it's what you put your energy and your time into. And and I'd say I've tried to put mine into kind of the very much just, I enjoy the show, but I also enjoy traveling and things. That's what I've tried to kind of put it into, really. So I want to discuss the first place that you visited that was a Game of Thrones location. Was this something that you, like, from the start of that trip, you were like, I'm going to start visiting Game of Thrones locations, or was it you were you were on holiday or a vacation somewhere, and you thought, "Oh, there's a Game of Thrones location nearby. Let's go and check it out." How, how did it How did it all start for you? It's quite interesting because I, I essentially I used to go to Mallorca, Ibiza, these sort of places on my on my holiday. I used to just want to sit in the sun, and I think it was 2013. Um, the show was starting to take off, but it was still relatively relatively small, and yeah, I. I was aware of a Game of Thrones convention in Belfast called TitanCon, and it had it had some guests from the show, and um, I mean Isaac Isaac Hempstead uh, right, and it had Art Parkinson and Christian Nairn and people, and it was my birthday weekend, and I, I kind of said to my wife, "Well, let's do something different, like let's just go across for a few days." And part of what they had there, other than meeting the actors and roundtables and talks, was that they had a coach tour the next day where you would go out and just basically uh, go on a few locations. And then at the end of the day, you'd have like a hog roast in like a medieval kind of hall. And yeah, it was just very much kind of a Thrones themed day. We had, we had a few people, we had a few of the actors joined us on the coach and things. And it was, that was the first time where I went, okay, right. Well, we went, we went to, uh, went to Castle Ward, which is Winterfell. And we went to Inchabi where, where they did Bob Stark's uh, King in the North speech, a few little things like that. And I, 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 it was a supplemental to the weekend, to be honest. 
I, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to really get involved in the kind of a convention and meet meet the actors and that sort of thing and just have a have a good time. And I, I mean, there couldn't have been more than hundred or so people at the convention in in Payroll. It was a small small convention, but that's kind of that's that was why I went there, I guess. And then I did this tour, the official tour on the Monday. I had a on, sorry on the Sunday. I had a great time. And then on the Monday we booked we booked into like one of the official kind of tours that go around and visit all the, the coast road locations. So uh, I booked something that was called uh, I think it was called Stones and Thrones. It was supposed to be primarily <laughs> a Game of Thrones location, and you would visit in, you would visit uh, the causeway at the end of it. And it was just basically myself and my wife and a minibus full of uh, cruise ship uh, elderly cruise ship visitors who had no idea what the show was. The bus driver had no idea what the show was. So I ended up basically taking them on kind of an informal little little tour, telling them about like the locations and why. And they didn't they didn't really kind of care. But if if you kind of said, Well, they said, What's the show like? And you'd be like, Oh, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just some sort of fantasy doctor who or some whatever it was that they grew up on. And suddenly they go, Oh, I've heard of that. I know I know that actor or whatever it was. And they would just give them a little bit more of a thing. So yeah, some of them wouldn't get off the coaching locations and some of them some of them really immersed themselves in it. But yeah, we just went on this, we just basically just went around a few Game of Thrones locations and that that was the first time I've been to locations with a lot of coastal locations. And I kind of felt, you know what? Like this is relaxing. I remember sitting there like at Ballantoy Harbour, home of Pike for season season two. And I was just sitting there just before the coach left and I just thought this is like really for me I was living in quite a big city at the time and it was it was just it felt really different and something I would never usually do and I think at that point I thought you know what like I could I could see myself kind of getting into these locations but it wasn't at that point it was very much like am I going to go any further with this am I is this just a holiday and yeah it just went from there really and then the following year we did our honeymoon in Dubrovnik and that mm. it all took off from there basically. So Ah, okay. Um so when you're in Dubrovnik, I take it is that was um was the idea to go to Dubrovnik partly influenced by the fact that you could see uh, King's Landing in, in real life, or at least parts of it anyway, because I know they did some of King's Landing. Is it in Malta and Spain? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so season season one was season one was Malta and then they moved season two onwards to for a few till I think season seven, I think they moved to to Dubrovnik. So um, it, it was definitely influenced. It was kind of like myself and my wife were looking for somewhere to go that was just nice, chilled, sunny. We saw the old walls of Dubrovnik and things. They just looked, it just looked fantastic. And then the fact that Thrones was part of it is was kind of an added, an added bonus kind of thing. And yeah, my my wife was kind of always like. It's been very supportive of it. It's always been like, we need to go somewhere that we're not just going to go there and sit around. We're going to go there and fully take it in and fully understand the cultures and all of this and really immerse ourselves wherever we go. So yeah, it was kind of our, it was kind of our honeymoon, but we dedicated maybe two days of it to Game of Thrones and then the rest of it to, to going around and just uh, just enjoying the kind of the local the local food and that sort of thing and walking the city walls and visiting the islands. It sounds like you like to travel a lot generally and the Game of Thrones has given you a, 
a really good excuse to travel to as many places as possible within Europe and uh, Northern Africa as well. Because I know they did some filming in Morocco for season one or two. It was quite early on, wasn't it? Most of the scenes with Daenerys and the Dothraki, I think. Uh, is it Malta in Morocco? I want to say, I think it's, I think it's season three in Morocco. Mm. Um, it's when, when Barristan... That's right, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's but, right. But yeah, that, but I think their season two ones, most of them were filmed around Croatia and various hmm. quarries and things. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I would say to an extent, I like to travel, but I also just, I was very much, as I said to you earlier, very samey. It was very much sunshine holidays for me. And then I very, I don't know if something happened, something clicked where I went, you know what? Actually, I'd much prefer peace and quiet than kind of, and kind of, yeah, being able to get out and about and maybe getting off the, Dubrovnik is busy, but there's plenty of places you can get off the tourist trail and just do, do things you wouldn't normally, normally do and things. And yeah, it was just, it was just something different, but certainly from that, it was, it, it kind of spiraled to twice a year and mm. sometimes three times a year. And it, it, it was very much depending on where we were at in life and that sort of thing, but it, it was a constant for a good few, for a good few years, definitely. It's funny you should mention, by the way, the Game of Thrones tours that you mentioned earlier, because as you, I don't know if you've listened to our episode with Eric Anthony Nolan, but he's now a tour guide on those Northern Ireland tours that finished with a hog roast. So it was <laughs> funny when you were mentioning those, because he was telling me that uh, that's how the day tends to end for the people that he gives tours to now. So it seems they've taken that, that format that they used on you in 2012 or 2013 or whenever it was that you went over and he continues to use them to this day. Now that things are open back up again, uh, post-pandemic. And so I wanted to ask you, um, your favourite locations that you've been to from Game of Thrones, where beyond, because there's only a, there's a couple of times where I've accidentally found myself in a real-life uh, movie set, and the feeling is fantastic, but the feeling is sort of fantastic because I realise I'm sat in a movie set by accident. I was... Um, on, it was, funnily enough, it was about 10 or 11 years ago, around the time when Game of Thrones was starting. Um, I went away to Cornwall with some family of mine. And on the way back, we stopped by a small town called Wells. And I was stood in this village square and I was thinking, Have I, I was just speaking to my parents, have I been here before? And they were saying, no, we've never been this way before. We may have driven past it, but I was thinking, I'm sure I've been here. So I've got loads of memories here and I can't think why. I said, I swear I've been here. And it's all of the exterior shots for the market town in uh, Hot Fuzz, you know, the Edgar Wright movie. Oh, yeah. from yeah, And the uh, the front of the pub and the cathedral and at the end of the movie where there's the large shootout all in that village square, that's Wells in Somerset. And I was blown away by the fact that I was in a, I was walking through a real life movie set, but I think if I hadn't known that it was a movie set, it would have just been another market town in Cornwall. So where are some places that you've been divorced of the context of game of Thrones where you think, wow, I am in an amazing location. Even if you had no idea what game of Thrones was, are there any locations you've been to where you're just like, how did they put this together? How, how has nature or man made this? Um, I think, to me, you've touched upon one of those, which was uh, which was a location for Dragonstone in season seven, which is which is a uh, kind of an inlet in near Bilbao in in uh, northern in northern Spain in the Basque in the Basque region, and that's very much 
again, you go there at the right time. There's nobody there. You're you could be in a different you could be in a different world. If even without, if you say the castle's not on top of it, but you can just sit there and just just something completely completely different. So that that would be one. To me, probably going out to Castilla de Zafra, which is the Tower of Joy, was probably one of my favourites because it literally you drive an hour, there's nobody for half an hour in any direction. And unless you get the odd cyclist, there's nobody around. And that to me was just standing there looking out of that and um, kind of, I didn't know what scenes they would use for season six. I just ended up taking a lot of photos, but that to me was just amazing to be in the absolute middle of nowhere. I think I would never have done this otherwise if it wasn't for the, for the show, but we did that Spanish trip. We did two weeks traveling all the way through Spain on a road trip and all the way from the top Girona, which was uh, King's Landing in season six, I want to say. And we went all the way down to Almeria, which was some water gardens in season six, right at the bottom. And and yeah, two weeks essentially of just going to these locations. But out of all of that, they could see the disaster in the middle of nowhere, just seeing this small little small little castle, almost one almost one tower, just perched upon this rock in the middle of nowhere, thinking, what must have happened for them to build a <laughs> to build this castle here, and kind of why you would build a castle in the middle of in the middle of nowhere with very minimal defensive kind of abilities and things. It, it, it was. That was definitely that was definitely one as far as like the peace and quiet aspect of it and kind of being in a different in a different world. That was very different to anything that I would that I had done. But our, fir- our first major kind of city trip after Dubrovnik was was Seville. Uh, I-, I love the city of Seville. I've been four or five times now away from Thrones. I love this. I, I love the city and the culture and uh, and the relaxed atmosphere and things. But uh, and Kind of the uh, the Alcazar there is fantastic and one of my favourite places. But if you're talking about places that have been built, then the Roman the Roman quarter Italica and the the uh, amphitheatre there that was used for the Dragon Pit, it, it is probably the one where you stand there and go, okay, there's two thousand years of history here. Three emperors were born in this location, and you just think about the footsteps that people have taken and. You look down into you look down into kind of the gladiatorial pits and and that sort of thing. Just think about all the all, all the history that's gone that's gone with that. And that probably to me is the one that uh, I looked around and just went, you know what? What does it take to two thousand years ago to build an amphitheater for twenty thousand people that's still partially standing to this day, two thousand two thousand years ago? And that's where the cultural kind of side of things comes into everything. So for me, I originally went for the locations and then it became about learning about the local places. And we'd always hire a tour guide and we'd always find out about these places and what they were, what they were all about rather than just looking at a guidebook. We really tried to immerse ourselves into these locations. And but I say that that's probably the one when you ask the question that I think about and go, yeah, that's the, that's probably the the oldest location and the one that probably has so much significant history to it. Talica was, I think, it was one of the biggest cities outside the outside of Italy during the Roman Empire, and it was just they just walk around there, you just get a feeling of gravitas, and yeah, I think that would that would probably be the one anyway. 
just coming back to the uh, the location for the Tower of Joy, it, there was something you said there that made me think. Did you go to that location before it would it appeared in the show? Was it sort of announced sort of late 2015 that they were going to be shooting at this location and then you made your way out there? Or did you go after tw- after the summer of 2016 when the scenes had been filmed and released to the public and everybody knew about uh, what, what, how, why the Tower of Joy was so significant and, and that? Uh, I mean, I love the, I I love, I always love Ray Garandiana and the book side of things. I always love the Tower of Joy scenes and the way they slowly built up to those with kind of Ned getting little bits and pieces in his in his mind here and here and there and that sort of thing. And we went in. I want to say we went beginning of June two thousand and sixteen. So it would have been around the time it was filmed, but I'm pretty sure it hadn't. I, I want to say it hadn't been on TV yet, just because. I remember messaging some of the cast and asking them, like, you got any tips, any hints anywhere locally to eat and that sort of thing. And a few of the cast members from the King's Garden and things got back to me and kind of said, all right, well, this is where we, this is where we ate. And I kind of, I think I, afterwards I remember sending them a picture saying, is this the step you were sat on? I think it's, well, I can't remember which one of the King's Garden is. Hightower, I believe it. Mm. It was. And he's he sat on one of the, on one of the steps, and I remember messaging him and saying, "Is this the step? Is this is really nerdy, but is this the step?" And he, he responded and said, "Yeah, I'm, it is really nerdy, but I'm pretty sure that's the that's the step." So I don't think it had been on TV at the time when I was when we when we'd been. Wow. So I was very much taking pictures of pretty much anything at the time, and just and then just trying to work out later. Wow, what happened with it? That's that's incredible because our, our previous guest of ours, um, Sam Adolfo, who uh, voiced the undead versions of Ned Umber and Viserion, the dragon under the Night King's control, um, she her favorite character from the show and probably her favorite character from all of literature and TV is Jon Snow. And I so, podcast, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, she um, and she went and she's like she's got a picture of herself um, being basically at the birthplace of her favorite literary <laughs> character, which um, meant, I think that means a great deal to her. And even when it turns up in the show, it's somehow just the climate of that area feels so separate to everywhere else in, in, in the show, because obviously the tower is in Dawn uh, in the show, but the only place that we'd experienced of dawn so far were the beaches and the water gardens, yeah. beautiful and wonderful as they are. There is something so, like you say about the Tower of Joy, where it's like, who did build a castle on a rock <laughs> in the middle of nowhere with nobody for hundreds of miles around? Like, you'd have to drive half an hour in both directions to find any kind of civilization again. Why is it here? And I imagine it makes you ask all these questions and it makes you wonder and it makes you speculate. And then, you know, I guess this is maybe why HBO picked them because it seems like they pick, especially when, I mean, the location scouting was always good in the show, but especially in the later seasons when they could really sink the cash into it and they could go to these places and in season five onwards where, you get these water gardens. I know they had issues filming at the water gardens because of daylight hours and things like that and local laws about filming at night. And then you get things like the Tower of Joy and then you get things like the Dragon Pit and and, um, the way that they 
restructured Dragonstone and the fact that they, even to be honest, went to the lengths of not doing a location for King's Landing in season eight, where they built that whole set just to burn it down. And I think that when they could really sink the money into it, the show becomes so much more immersive, I think, as it goes along. And one of its real strengths is finding places with, in the in our world, real, they seem really steeped in history. And they find these, like you say, the, these amphitheaters, even for the, um, the scene in Marine at the end of season five, when Daenerys mounts Drogon for the first time, they just find this old Colosseum that's like quite small. And then they build out from it and, it's always practical effects that work best and real places that look best because they can't age because they're just, they're real. They're always there. And we were watching recently, um, some friends of mine, we were watching the, uh, all of the star Wars movies and the Dagobah system in the fifth movie. Um, so from 1980, uh, looks so much better than basically everything in, in, uh, in Attack of the Clones from 2001, 2002, because it's just like Dagobah was like, they went to a real place. They made a real set. They made real things. And I think thankfully HBO and the, uh, the people who put all this effort into location scouting, they make, so they, they really do put in an amazing amount of effort to find these amazing places that are real, that you can go and see that you can experience for yourself and will always be there and will always feel real because they are. You mentioned something before that I wanted to ask you about, about um, local encounters in these places that you've been to. Um, what kind of encounters do you have with locals who live in areas of uh, prominent Game of Thrones locations? Like how do the people of Dubrovnik feel about their, their town being, their city being the Game of Thrones city or King's Landing in, a, in another universe? I think, I think Dubrovnik is very much, that's a difficult one because I think the people appreciate that it's brought in a massive amount of tourism. But I also think, I also think that there is a real, there is an underlying kind of frustration there that it is with the cruise ships as well and that sort of thing it is it is too much it's a, it's a kind of a whatever it's a square mile or or whatever there's, there's limited if you have three or four cruise ships in loaded game of thrones fans it, it, it becomes it almost becomes too much i mean it really is difficult at times to wander around there when you've got as i say when you've got a few cruise ships in in, in peak summer and it definitely i think it definitely did cause a sense of frustration I think for a lot of the locals, and I've, I've kept in contact with a few people locally and um, good friends with a tour guide I met out there in, 20, in 2015. And when we went back out there a couple of years ago, he, we, went, we went out with him and watched the finale there and things. And Aww. there is very much a, I think people, they like the financial aspect of it, but there's a lot, obviously a lot more in life than just, than just finance. And I think, I think people, We'll struggle with that. We, where we stayed the last time we went in 2019, we went out there and we were walking down the back alley and it said, you might, there was a sign that said, you might call it King's Landing, but we call it home. Mm. And that kind of was very, that was very poignant kind of just looking at that and going, okay, actually, like, this is a small little shop in the back of, in the back of beyond. And it's, it's obviously trying to send some sort of, of message, I think. And yeah, Dubrovnik is, is a very, it's a difficult one because I think they said something like one in, something like one in 
three, something like that. People who go there go there because of Game of Thrones or because they heard about it in Game of Thrones. Uh, it's such a massive influence. But a lot of these locations, it's much, much quieter. I mean, I, the Tower of Joy, we stayed in the nearest village, which was um, about 10, 15 minutes away down some bumpy track. And not, on the, not no one there spoke English. There were about 50 people living there. We hired an Airbnb. And when we got there, no one could even converse with us. We had to use Google Google Translate because literally it's one of those places where it was a traditionally Spanish location. The pub was the only, or the bar was the only place in the village. And pretty much we went there and had to try and kind of Google Translate and try and meet the person. And it was very, it was very kind of difficult. And they, they had no interest in the, in the show and things, but you sometimes you just, you just meet these very eccentric eccentric locals who just don't they'll, they'll hug you they don't care about the show they'll just be very much pleased that you're there and you can't speak a word of Spanish and they can't speak a word of, of English and it just very much it's exactly the sort of faulty towers thing that you would that mm-hmm. you would expect pretty much it's no I mean I'll give you I'll give you an example when we went to Pensacola which was uh, it was location for Marina in season in season six and we travelled down there for a beach holiday, basically. And I, I tried to get into the after party for the cast. And I, I was extremely drunk and I gave them a Spanish accent. And I think they must have thought I was absolutely mad. And I was about to walk away and they said, in you come. I was like, you're kidding me. Like, so I got into an after party that HBO paid for. And I was extremely drunk and I probably drunk a hundred dollars worth of beers or whatever. But essentially, you just, you just, in these sort of places, you meet people and you just, for me, part of it is cathartic. You get out of your real world thing. I would never try to get into an HBR. I would never try to get into an after party in England. In the, I would never go down into the, the crypt in, in Shane's Castle in, in England or, or whatever. It's just very much, yeah, you do these strange encounters, strange kind of... Uh, it's just different from, from real life, I guess, is what I'm, I'm trying to say. And I've met an awful lot of great people out there at these locations who are just, they're either associated with the show or they're just, they're just enjoying the, the tourism or they're fans of the show. And yeah, you just kind of have kind of random, random drunken conversations with Connor Hill at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I've kind of part of me, as I say, it, it, it is. It got me out of my comfort zone. A lot of it is you go there, you can't speak Spanish really. You do your best, but you're trying to you're trying to communicate. You're trying to have. You're trying to have fun. You're trying to kind of just enjoy, enjoy kind of wherever you are. But yeah, this also comes back, as I say, to the sense of community that the fact you can drunkenly have a conversation with an actor at one o'clock in the morning that you're not expecting to have and they, they don't care and they're, they're quite happy to have that conversation and just to say strange encounters at one o'clock in the morning with cats that you're not expecting to, to see it's very much like yeah if you're a fan of the show it just adds, it's a little added bonus kind of thing Is, uh, is Lord Varys a friendly drunk? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, to be fair, when I'm saying drunk, I'm saying I'm probably more more so than it, than him. But he was, yes. I think I think all the cast members I've met who have been out and about 
And at conventions, you meet cast members and you you kind of, like, I've been through, I don't know if you've heard of ThroneCon in London, which was yeah. run by Star Fury, Sean Harry, and he ran a few uh, conventions and we went to those and you would you would be outside giving Janice Slim to Carlsberg at three o'clock in the morning, kind of, kind of thing. And it's just, it's just absolutely ludicrous kind of, kind of things. But as I said to you, I've never met a cast member who hasn't been, really, who hasn't been sound and kind and has time for you. And it's just a, really, I think that's one of the things the show has done very well with the casting, Nina Gold and that sort of thing is they don't tend to hire people who don't fit in with the show, I think. Mm. Just interesting that you raised the point about the tourism in Dubrovnik there. Um, one of my family's favourite holiday locations is in the mid-northwest of Scotland. Uh, it's a place called Malague. Uh, it's up near Glenfinnan um, and it's up past uh, Ben Nevis. And the main sort of intersection town that's right underneath uh, in the shadow of Ben Nevis is Fort William. And Fort William is a quiet little town um, it has it has a, a fairly big high street, a couple of large housing estates, and a Morrison's and a small football team who never wins. <laughs> and almost all of their tourism is people looking to climb Ben Nevis and people looking for real life Harry Potter locations. And I know what you mean about. Malague being Malague is such a tiny place. Fort William is a decent sized town with a population yeah. of it must be about, I don't know, 20, 30,000, just estimating. Whereas Malague, I don't even think a thousand people live there. And yet every summer they survive the rest of the year because thousands and thousands <laughs> and thousands of German and American tourists pile on to steam trains that connect Malague to Fort William just so that they can go over the Glenfinnan viaduct, which is where yeah. the um, Harry and Ron are in the Ford Anglia and the train comes up behind them. It's that, iconic, it's that iconic scene, isn't it? I think yes. if, I, if I remember correctly. Um, and there are islands where there are gravestones of popular characters um, like that are buried in world um some of the exterior mountain shots in the seventh movie, I think were all done up there. Um, and the place needs constant maintenance now. Like the roads, every time I go back, the roads are being maintained. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you know, the only reason it was, um, we didn't even know that Harry Potter had been filmed up there. Um, we first started visiting there in 2006 while the Harry Potter movies were still going on because of Local Hero, the Bill Forsyth movie from the 80s, um, and quite a lot of the beach shots in that movie um, were all done in Malague and uh, Camus Darak, which is a nearby area. Um, and so, yeah, I know what you mean about locals having to grapple with the fact that their tiny little town that they call home is at the laser focus of people from all over the world who want to come and live and even if only temporarily they want to come and live in these real in these movie locations for just a second just to sort of sit and think oh, I've been there and I even I know that like they've left the Winterfell set standing um, or at least parts of it uh, and, and like they're planning on turning it into that whole 
like there's a museum going up in Belfast in the next couple of years, isn't there? So like that'll expand. And then the same thing will probably happen in Cornwall now with House of the Dragon, where there will be people camping out on cliff edges with binoculars <laughs> trying to see who's doing what. What what Matt Smith's doing? Like, why is it why has he got that sword? What's he doing? Um, will you be doing that for House of the Dragon, do you think? Because it's a lot easier to get to Cornwall than it is to Spain. So uh, um, I mean we this is this is a difficult one. So the pandemic obviously kind of put a lot of people's travel plans on on ice, I guess. Um, so to me, I mean, we've got a, I mean, we've got a baby due in the next couple of months. So that's kind of put, that's kind of put things on. Uh, do I see myself going abroad anytime soon to go and do the Spanish location, Caceres, that sort of thing again? Mm. Probably not. Do I see myself? My own parents live in Devon. Do I see myself going to Cornwall and potentially going and doing the Cornish locations? I'm out in Castleston. Um, I've been to Castleton before for other stuff, but that's an hour away, which they've just filmed some things there. Do I see myself potentially going to some UK locations, English locations? Sure. Um, whether I'll go further afield, probably not in the not in the shorter term with a with a newborn, but. Mm. Uh, it's been a couple of years now. The last place I went to was Dubrovnik in June 2019. There's been it's been a good it's been a good two and a half years now with the pandemic as well. And I mean, to me, I'm kind of I'm beginning to feel that itch to to get out and visit a few of those places. So I imagine that I will I will do the UK House of the Dragon location. But spend my foreign travels right this second are probably on ice with with COVID as well. I'm probably on a personal note, I probably don't feel that comfortable right now going abroad. But that's just that's just kind of my own my own kind of personal opinion. But but I say with a newborn, there's no way I'm going anywhere probably for a good a good year. So we, well, it we gives you um it gives you a lot of time to see how international travel will go in the next 18 months, I think, uh, until you're able to get back out there again. Um, when you are in these locations and then when you watch the show back, does it increase or decrease your immersion in the show to see Jamie and Bron running through the water gardens and sort of go, <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I've been stood there. Like it, it makes it hard to, I imagine it does make it, it, for me, it would make it quite difficult to sort of sit and go, that it, that I'm sitting, believe that that's another place that this isn't humans making this. It's whatever Westeros, you know, that sort of thing. How, how does it feel? I mean, that's that's a great question, Robert. I mean, if I if you ask me whether it's a positive or negative effect watching the show, hundred well ninety percent a positive effect. I, I look at it. I, I love kind of comparing it. I love seeing where we where we've been. Did we get the right shots? All of these sort of all these sort of things will. Myself, and my wife, will talk about where we've been, and we'll, well, my wife's quite a big fan of the show, not as big a fan of me, but we'll we'll literally sit there and talk about where we've been and our experiences and things. So, generally speaking, it's it, it's positive, but there is occasional where you just look at something and go, "That's not the order they should run up those steps." And then, like, there's a, there's a scene with the sand snakes where they do they do they when they're running to when they're running to capture Marcelo and they they kind of and you kind of like that's not the route that you would go in the water gardens, and it kind of takes it out of that in a very geeky kind of way. You go, you know what? That is not that is not how they would go. But it's very minor kind of thing. I don't, I don't think it negatively affects my my feeling of the show. It's kind of more in a jokey kind of yeah, yeah. kind of way, I guess. But 
No, I can, de- I can definitely hear what you're. I can definitely hear what you're saying. As I say, for me personally, I feel like it. The amount of positivity that I've gained from it, it's more. You look back at it and go. I mean, if you'd gone into locations and you've been escorted out by security or something like that, or then obviously you probably have a more negative kind of feeling about it. But if you you go in there and you've had a great time and you've visited a fantastic city and these uh, and these locations are almost supplemental at that point, then you're not going to. You personally don't. You're probably going to have that much of a negative feeling of it. Seville, in particular, kind of as I said, I've been four or five, four or five times now, but I always. Every time I watch that, those scenes back, I know people don't like the Dornish scenes, but I get a, I kind of get a buzz every time I see the water gardens on there. And I know how hard they work to get that into three or four days, as you've said, as you've alluded to already. They really struggled with the local authorities and things to get that all done. But we were out there when they were filming the water gardens, and it was just a real experience of being out there locally and being in water gardens the day after filming and that sort of thing. I've got nothing but positive kind of things to say really about these locations. Well, that is really, really wonderful. Um, I think, to be honest, this is a good time to call time on it. I think that's a really lovely note to end on uh, with the interview. So Martin, Game of Thrones traveller, thank you very much for going around all of these amazing places so that we can see them in picture form and for coming on our show. Robert, it's been an absolute pleasure. Seriously, I enjoy the podcast. I enjoy what you guys do. I think it's fantastic that the things that you're trying to do with the show and just trying to put that positivity out there. So thank you very much for having me.